You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. Always free, no ads, no paywalls, nothing you've got to skip. You can skip stuff if you want, but you don't have to. Fellas, episode seven, how we doing? Fine and dandy. We're back in this. Excited to be here. Episode seven, we're cruising along, baby. We'll be at 100 in no time. Valentine's Day, love is in the air. Kind of a quiet week for Minnesota sports. Anyone got anything big going on in the Minnesota sports world? Uh, I got a couple updates here from the Vikings. Nothing major. Um, as most people probably know, Gary Kubiak retired yet again. Um, and it seems like they uh, so what is this, Brett Favre? promoted his son. <laughs> so, yeah, his son, Clint Kubiak, is going to be taking over the offensive coordinator position. Um, another quick thing about Gary Kubiak, I think uh, we're going to be big Gary Kubiak fans because his three sons' names are Clint Kubiak, uh, Klein Kubiak, and Clay Kubiak. So big, big alliteration guy. Can we do a quick uh, power rankings? What do we think is best? Yeah. Is it Clint, Klein, and Clay? I got to go Clay 1, Clint 2, Klein 3. I didn't know Klein was a name. Yeah, I'm not a, huge, I'm not a Klein guy either. I think I go Clint 1, Clay 2. Klein is three. Klein spelled with a C or a K? That makes a difference. They're all spelled with a K. Clint with a oh, K. I didn't realize Clint is with a K. Clint and Clay. Clint with the K is at the bottom. I'm yeah, sorry. I might move it down too. I don't love that. I'm gonna stay strong on it, but I don't love it. So it'll be uh, it'll be nice to have you know someone within the Kubiak family. He's been around the system pretty much his entire life. He was actually on the the Denver coaching staff with Gary Kubiak when uh, they won Super Bowl Fifty. So that's kind of nice to have him. And I guess on the bright side, it would be the closest thing to keeping a coordinator, an offensive coordinator for two years in a row for Kirk Cousins rather than, I mean, it's not, but it's probably the closest thing you could get with uh, with Gary retiring. I think he, I heard he was going to keep the system intact, at least like the bulk of it. He might make some you know changes at the fringes, but I believe so. that's yeah. got to be good for, for Kirk and the rest of the offense. I got a question. Do you think if we put together a class action lawsuit against the Vikings, we could win a nepotism case on this one? Like we're keeping it in the family. What is this? The mafia? You know what I mean? Like, I think, you know, there's, that could be, we could make a quick buck there. Yeah. I got a theory too on this is, uh, so with as close as OCs and QBs are, would that make uh, the Kubiak son, dad, would those be Eskimo brothers at this point? Because, I mean, you're getting pretty close with the QBs. So I would say there's some freaky stuff going on at the Kubiak household. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I had with the Vikings was um, kind of going off our Riley Reef talk from last week. Um so they did actually pay him $1 million that he wasn't owed. Uh, he had a, uh, he had an incentive in his contract where if he played up to, I believe it was 94% of the snaps, he would have gotten that $1 million, but he only played, I think it was 92.6% since he was held out of the week 16 game due to COVID protocols. So this is either, um, going to be a really cold move for them to cut him like you were saying last week Connor or they're maybe just setting him up to get cut you know he's they're just saying lawing him to, into a false state of security they're setting him up with an extra cool million dollars 
and then they're just going to kick them to the curb. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next in the Riley Reef saga. Yeah, I would argue that if they do cut him, this was a classy move to give him his bonus that he didn't earn. So, is that kind of a participation trophy? Is that a, you know, is that what society's come to? You don't even have to earn your bonuses anymore. I got a little beef on that. Here's the thing with participation trophies. So I was actually I was doing dishes a couple nights ago, and I thought about this. This could be a rant and rave section. I'm I like am so frustrated by that because it's it's like our like our parents or like people that are just a little older than us, right? Those are the ones who are like call us like the participation trophy generation, right? They're the ones who started it. Like I don't remember Retweet. going to a hockey tournament when I was young and being like, oh damn, I wish I could have got a medal for that seventh place finish we got out of eight teams. And the eighth team was from Montana, so they had to leave because we were playing Sunday morning and they had a flight. So it's like I don't need that participation trophy. The reason they're there is because of the generation above us. It's not, that should not reflect directly on us. I got so rattled working through this in my mind. I was like, this is, this is something we're associated to that we had no part in doing. Like, I I mean, I guess we could have as like 11 year old, just like not gone and grabbed the medal. Right. And the losers game or whatever you want to call it. But I just think it's egregious that people just group us into this like participation medal like generation and like you know all this crap. It's like that was not us that started that. That was our parents that forced it onto us. And you never want to force things on kids. So just a good thing to note. That is one of the smartest things I've heard in a while. Like I have not thought about that and I got to go major props to you for thinking that one through doing the math, showing the work, because I a thousand percent agree. It's they're also the people that are like, you're at the seventh place uh, ceremony. They make you walk out onto the field and they're taking your picture and cheering for you. And you're not asking for it. You're pissed off. You just lost. You struck out three times. You had a terrible day. Mm -hmm. You kicked a couple. You don't need a trophy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just I was scraping paint off the dishes, doing doing dishes and thinking about this. I was so rattled. I say it's just added to the list of things that that generation screwed up in this country that gets blamed on us. Vietnam's on you guys. <clears throat> um, well, another Minnesota sports news. Um, the Gophers, baby, uh, Gopher basketball, since we talked about them, did an over under on them. They are 2-0 and with a win over Purdue, which was actually a pretty solid win. Uh, they played Sunday, so as we're recording this, they're playing against Maryland. And, and honestly, they are the most, like, up-and-down team. They, like, they are a borderline bipolar team. Like, they will go on spurts where I, like, I watched the whole game right against Purdue, and I thought they were going to win by 15 at one point in the first half. And then by the end of the first half, I was like, we're going to lose by 20 because they just go on like the biggest runs and the, and then the lowest of droughts scoring. And it's brutal. Um, Got to eat my words a little bit. Gabe Kelcher had a pretty good game. I've been all over him all year. Every time he has a bad game, I send it to the boys. Um, but he did actually have a pretty good game. So shout out to him, but the Gophers basketball team's looking like they're, uh, they're playing pretty well. And, uh, the Gopher hockey team is back on top of the Big Ten with a sweep over Notre Dame this weekend. So they did get swept by Wisconsin, and then Wisconsin didn't have a great series this weekend, and the Gophers are back in first place. So 
Gopher uh, winter sports doing okay. The Gophers women's basketball, shout out Cindy Hansen, also had a, had a little bit of success this week. Got a couple wins under the belt, so fun to see. Sky, you, ah. Sky, you, ma. Yeah, Gophers hoops, 13-1 and one at home, 0-6 oh on the road. How does that work? Come on, Richie Patino. Get your boys playing on the road. Uh, I think I'm still this. thinking the it's the altitude yeah. training. Mm-hmm. The raised floor. I got a second theory. I think that they really like to go to Pizza Ranch when they're on the road and they play a little sluggish the next day. Who doesn't? After filling up on that dessert pizza. Hey, cactus bread is top notch. I think we can all agree on that. As the resident big guy in the group. <laughs> I feel like I need to circle back on Vikings and just make a formal apology to Kirk Cousins. Uh, I've been pretty hard on him in general. But after watching the Super Bowl and watching um, whatever everybody thinks is, you know, the best quarterback in football, Pat Mahomes, is he overrated? We'll find out. Um, basically, just get chased around the field all night and have absolutely no time. He looked, it felt like I was watching a Vikings game. I felt like I was watching Kirk Cousins. And this was supposed to be the best offense in football. And they got totally shut down. Uh, so it really proves that you need an offensive line and you can't really assess a quarterback until you have a good offensive line and Connor I know I know I've been hard on Kirk I've been really hard on him uh, but I'm starting to see the vision starting to see the light with this guy so uh, hopefully they can make some good moves this offseason and we can actually have a good offensive line so then I can fairly assess Kirk Cousins and still come to the conclusion that he's not that good but I want to have a f- give him a fair shot at it I feel Great, great segue. I appreciate you bringing this up because I did have a point on this that I forgot. I feel so great about my take. I've always said you got to get defense, offensive line, quarterback. Skill positions, erroneous. They don't matter that much. And there's like it was just beautiful to watch Tampa Bay. And granted, I won't say Tom Brady's not playing in his prime, but he had a really good game. But Tampa Bay's offensive line is so good. And their defense is awesome. And so to see that play out where they had the awesome defense, the great offensive line, and then an awesome quarterback, like those three things I've always said, like that's the key to building a championship. And I felt so vindicated after the Super Bowl being like, yep, that is exactly what I was hoping the the Vikes would look like at some point. And then on the flip side, exactly what you're saying. Like I think both tackles, were out at one point in the game. Like one was out pre before the game. One got injured in the game for the chiefs. And you could just see that he literally would snap the ball and he would be running backwards, running sideways. Like you honestly, I felt bad for him at times because he is a pretty good player. And I just, it's just, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's pretty good, but it's just tough to see. Yeah. I mean, Hey, hot seat here, but going out on a limb, but it's just hard to see that. And then I also appreciate that with all the weapons that the Chiefs had and they still couldn't get it done because the offensive line is just so crucial to the offensive side of the ball. So that was fun. What a blast of a Super Bowl for me personally to watch, but uh, in general, it was kind of a snooze. If you listen really closely, you can hear Connor patting himself on the back in the mic. Yeah, I I actually think I hurt my other shoulder doing that, so I might be out for a couple weeks. (laughs) Speaking of uh, tough to see... We all picked the Chiefs <laughs> less than a week. They didn't need that week, right so. now. Did not need Chiefs that. I was feeling real good. In the last episode. But, you know, I just had to bring you back down to earth here. So, I mean, it wasn't no a Dalton 55 to 3 take or whatever he said. But uh, Hey, 52-10. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. 
All right. And now it is time. The long-awaited first guest on the Mini Market Podcast. We've got our guy, Henry, in the house. What is up, Henry? What's up, boys? Welcome, welcome. Happy to have you. Always happy to have a big fan, big supporter of the show joining us. So welcome, Henry. A true milestone. And and to those of you who uh, who also retweeted the tweet, um, don't fret. This uh, this will this will occur again. So you'll have another chance to get on the pod and and uh, and roast us or uh, or at least provide some opinions on Minnesota sports. So this isn't the only time it's happening. Better luck next time, buddy. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the NBA lottery. I got all the ping pong balls this time. It's it's coming up <laughs> Lakers every year, and I'm the Lakers. I don't appreciate you uh, you associating us with the NBA line. You know, yeah, I mean, this one, this selection did happen behind closed doors as well, similar to the NBA That's lottery. True. So, I mean, the, the comparisons just go on and on. It's the frozen letter. It's all over again. People are starting to murmur. It may have been rigged. <laughs> they don't think that you can do it. Uh, but, Hen, we've got you on. We're doing another podcast podiums. We did this a couple weeks ago. So we're going to go around, we're going to discuss a topic, and we're going to give our podiums our top three for that topic. So this week, the topic is most overrated Twins players in Twins history. Recording this on Valentine's Day, maybe an overrated holiday. So we're Agreed. rolling overrated Twins players today. Very overrated, Dalt. You nailed it. So guys, Connor, what do you have? Yeah, I can. Uh, I'll kick it off. So... I'll just kind of give one and we can spitball a little bit, but one that I stumbled upon doing some research and I like a lot because I remember him from our childhood was Denny Hawking. Oh. I'm not sure if anybody even remembers him, which maybe is a little bit of a, um, an argument against what I'm saying. But if you don't remember him, then you probably weren't playing as much uh, bat, like sports while listening to uh, the Twins on the radio because Denny Hawking played for the Twins for 11 seasons. And every season he played over 100 games, which is like a solid thing, right? But this guy's slashes were – he hit 252 like with the Twins. He was a 310 for his on-base percentage. So like not great, not bad. His slugging was 351, which is pretty shitty. And he's just like – he's just one of those guys who – to play 11 years with the team, he played in almost every role except for pitching and catching. So like that was – uh, a slash for DH. At one point, he was playing DH for multiple games for the Twins. That's just egregious, and it's really just a tip of the cap to the Garden Hire administration. Like, that's just how they ran things. They were like, oh, this guy's a good defender, and, like, he really is a super average defender, actually, but they just, like, thought he was a good defender, and I just felt like he played for way too long he wasn't like a big payroll guy or anything like that, but it was like to get 11 years out of this guy, so overrated. I mean, he could have been washed up and in and out of the league in three years and no one would have batted an eye. No one would have been like, what happened to Denny Hawking? They wouldn't have had a goddamn clue where he was. You know, so, he was one of those guys where Gardy was like, he plays the game the right way. <laughs> so they wanted him yeah. on the field at all times. It doesn't matter how bad he is. He plays the game the right way. So they're putting him out there. You know, he was mentoring like Toby Gardenhire. When yeah. he was like, you know, first on the oh, team, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to take him under my wing and teach him a few things. And then Gardy was like, Ron was like, yeah, I think I can get behind this guy. I like him. He's a good guy. And it's like if we gave a job to every good guy out there for the Twins, 
we would have no, we'd have even worse payroll situations. So, I just saw a picture of him. This guy's got Tom Kelly written on his forehead. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I, the guy he went to El Camino College, which that has to be now debunked. There's no chance that's getting attendance anymore. I this you nailed this one, Kern. I couldn't agree. I just looking at this guy, the fact that he played in a professional baseball stadium is a little bit astounding to me. It's a smear on the league, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I was looking at another guy, Eddie Gordado, Everyday Eddie. He's a guy that's I in everybody, like every Twins fan. I mean, Eddie Gordado, he's in like the top 10 Twins players. Like in your mind, he's just like yeah. one of the first ones you're going to rattle For off. Sure. So overrated. I didn't realize how overrated he was until I looked at his stat line. He played nine seasons with the Twins, and in his first seven – or no, he played, excuse me, ten seasons with the Twins. His first seven, he had an ERA over five, and in those first seven seasons, he had 12 blown saves compared to nine saves over the course of <laughs> seven seasons. Oh. People forget about that, but I didn't. He was elite in the last – his last two seasons, he was really good. He had like 45 and 41 saves, like two-time all Yeah, he led the league in saves one year, like with 45, I think. Yeah, so essentially a one-hit wonder, and then one of those guys who comes back around, joins the, the team as, like, a special assistant and then, like, bullpen coach or whatever. So he's one of those guys that every Twins fan knows. But he was essentially a one-hit wonder. Mediocre at best for 80% of his career. And a long career. Yeah. Like, like nine, nine seasons in the show. It's not like you got up, got your bat, and went away. Like, this guy was around. I just don't think he deserves to be one of those guys that's in, like, when you think of the Twins, like, he's one of the guys that you'll think of. Not that he was, he's, his two seasons were really good, but he doesn't, two good seasons does not get you into, like, the Twins Wait, sort of ring of honor type of thing. He, that's the thing, though, he is. He's in the ring of honor? I'm, I'm pretty sure he's in the Twins, like, oh he's a gosh. Twins Hall of Famer. Yeah, right? Which is atrocious. Like, that's a testament to, like, how bad we were at, like, managing bullpens, in my opinion. Back in the day. And maybe not managing, but just like supplying the bullpen with ammunition. It would be like going into World War II, like storming the beaches on Normandy with like half a clip of ammo. And that was it. And they were like, hey, go get him, Tiger. He's like, he's a fighter. He's out there every... Like, that was the thing with Eddie Gordado. It's like, he's there every day. Like, every day, Eddie, he threw a ton. Like, he would throw back-to-back days and stuff. But it didn't matter how much you're throwing. I could throw back-to-back days. But if I'm out there getting shelled, blowing saves... Doesn't really matter. He he also uh, has pitched five postseason innings in his career, and given up. Yep, you guessed it. Five runs as well. So, I mean, the guy's consistent. He's consistent, if nothing else, you know. He he's he's got like a Bleacher Report article about him. It's just like, well, he eats innings, and it's like, well, I mean, he, he doesn't really. He just no he, free ads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did Terry Mulholland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll edit that part out about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cut that. What do you got, Lou? Uh, yeah, so I've got a I've got a current Twins player. Um, this one's a little dicey, uh, Rag but I'm gonna go there. with Byron Buxton. No. Oh, you are. Yes, so this is a little. This is a little bit of a very oh, early hot take. I, I came so with a defense for this he guy. Was, he was just ranked the MLB 91 in the top 100 players. 
And I, I can't say enough good things about him defensively. He's phenomenal. He's one of the best defenders in the game. But he is now getting that to that status, and he's getting to that point at the end of his contract where he's going to want big money, and he is an absolute liability at the plate. He is terrible. If we could have someone DH for him instead of the pitcher, I would honestly – might be before that if we had a guy throw back to maybe like Carlos Sombrano or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can get behind pitchers hitting. I'll tell you that. <laughs> His on-base percentage has only been above 300 two times. His two times though, like is, ever in his life, or or like as a twin. In as a twin, over 300 two times in his six seasons. Um, his career average is only 238, and his highest is 262. Um, not to mention he's only played in. 80 plus games three times out of his six seasons. So like he's never even on the field. And if he's not even on the field, I, I'm just, I'm coming at this more of a, from a, a front office view where we're going to have to pay this guy a lot of money and he might not be worth it. I'm just worried. I'm down. It's a very early take. I know that, but he's got to show me something offensively. I, I came with just a really brief in defense of Byron boxing. Cause I knew someone was going to have this. And I love the guy. He's a big bass fisherman. So, like, that's – you got me. You're, like, you're my A1 guy on the team now. So, anyway, here, just quick little – so, the Twins play with, like, a salary cap, right? Like, the, 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 like the rest of the league, like Yankees, LA, it's like we got money. A made-up, yeah. A made-up salary, the salary yeah. cap, right? He's only made $6 million in his career. I mean, I get – you know, he's a rookie, so they all make shit. But, like, he's not – even in his, like, late years now, coming where she get a little cash, he's made $6 million in his career – He's not getting paid anything. And another just kind of stack guys, lose guys, the stats on Dalton. I know that always coming out with him. I, I went baseball. This is an analytics podcast, Henry. That's so, right. uh, yeah, exactly. feel free to dive in. And, and you know me, I can't even do like one plus one. So, this is a big, big moment for me. Little thing about him. So, he has only one year that his war was considered to not be a starter or all star quality. And then little little defensive thing. I know you said he's a good defensive player, but he has never had a, a fielding percentage below uh, 0.984 at any outfield position. Mike Trout has four of those below that. So I don't know. You tell me who you want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's I just well, I mean Mike uh, Trout's in the lineup every day. Buxton's hardly ever. He, yeah. you know, he gets all these days off. You think he's working on his hitting or something? I no, he's out there. He's on Lake Nokomis throwing wacky bombs. <laughs> but that's my quick defense of Buxton. I'm a Buxton guy. Yeah, I just I I honestly like I was looking up his stats and it's pretty shocking to me that he's been in the league for like in theory, you know, five years, five and a half years, like that's crazy. But again, I think it all goes back to like, he, he has like 1500 plate appearances and less than like, he has 432 games played. So I think like if he can get another full season and like he's kind of like he had in 2017, like I think his numbers will go up and I think he'll, he'll be a pretty valued member of the team. But again, it's all speculation. I mean, he's one of those guys who has like super high praise. And so like he really could only underachieve in his career. Like, is that kind of a fair assessment? Like he basically came out and he was like, there's no ball that will drop in the outfield. Yeah. So like it's, it's tough. He's, he's, uh, you could say definitely right now he's overrated, but I, I think there's more left in him that uh, he'll eventually get to the point where he's, 
he's producing at a higher clip. And I mean, for the record, I like him. I like him a lot. He's electric when he's in, in the flopper. field on the bases. Yeah, you know, <laughs> on this that that play where he scored from first base on a single just popped into my head. That's the kind of stuff the Twins need. That's flashy. That's fun. But you got to be on base for that to happen, Byron. So show me what you got. I've got a couple other Twins outfielders from yesteryear. How about Denard Span and Ben Revere? Yeah, both of them on my list. Yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah, yeah, Adam, Adam. That might be something that's more of like, you know, our generation, like younger Twins fans, but I feel like they were kind of like the premier yeah. outfielders of the mid-2000s. And when you look at their numbers, it was not good. Like, Denard Span really only had one good season where he was above average. Ben Revere... Didn't Denard have the first hit and first home run on the first pitch at target field or something I believe like that. It. I don't know. So that oh. just, that just puts him into, that might've been the last home run he hit. Yeah. That, that just puts <laughs> him into twins lore forever. Dalton. I don't I, like, I just looking at their statistics, Ben Revere was objectively horrible at the plate. He was a guy, another one of those guys of like the guardy era of, Oh, he'll put the ball in play. He's fast. He can make a couple plays on defense, quote unquote, plays the game the right way. But just, his, his OPS plus, which is 100 is average for OPS plus, his was never better than like 79, which is just terrible. That's fourth outfielder level. And to top it all off, he was part of a terrible trade. I mean, I know it's not his fault, but we got what? Vance Worley, Ooh. Alex Meyer, Ooh. just a bunch of trash, trash pieces in a trade for Ben Brutal. Rivera. He had that one really good catch where he was like running backwards, kind of like Willie Mazed against the wall. I feel like that just elevated him into like, ooh, this guy's the yeah. Twins, you know, star, not necessarily star, but like flashy player. That guy was trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I got, I got one we're all going to know. Every, this is like the highlight, and this is more, this is where I, I, I do my own little, um, call it a little, little twist on overrated i had a little overhyped so kind of like back to like bucks you know he's he anything if he doesn't achieve you know he had this overhyped tag to him so overhyped we all remember it yash tioshi nishioka i mean it's yeah yeah i was gonna I say we had to mention it's, him it's, right it's, you say one seventy one baseball games in mlb get out of here that is unbelievable Five extra base hits. Five extra base hits. What a scowl. This guy couldn't do anything on a baseball field. He got back to Japan after playing the MLB, and it was, I mean, it was talk about going downhill fast. Did nothing when he got back there. Nothing. This. <laughs> well, I think his wife even left him. Seriously? Deserve it? Or I, I don't think know. So. Oh, my gosh. That is brutal. I don't know if it was. I don't think it was for the. She started going out with Hideki Matsui. You ever heard <laughs> of him? <laughs> Gosh, yeah. I could when I, I just remember like in my the best part was my cousin when he was coming over my cousin's like I'm get, like he's taking over second base he's gonna be our guy he got a jersey yep. he, wasn't he like number one right it was number one Mike's got a jersey <laughs> I know that yeah, I couldn't I was this guy was just, he was just the dumpster fire of all dumpster fires for you know you think of like Tanaka who's come out over and been like really successful I mean I know he's going back but he's like pretty good and obviously Suzuki and like it's at times it's translated. This guy couldn't have been worse. Like a young whole park was better than this guy. 
Well, <laughs> Sudioshi was brutal. I mean, 44 career strikeouts, 50 career hits. He was so bad. For a guy who's supposed to be a contact yes, hitter like that. He, yeah. Incredibly brutal. Bad. I guess the 87 mile an hour fastball over in Japan just didn't quite translate yeah, exactly. uh, when he was hitting 96. The thing with the thing with Nishioka too is they he was allegedly supposed to be a cheaper, more mobile, better defensive shortstop than JJ Hardy too because they let Hardy walk and then they signed. Nishioka and he couldn't even throw the ball across the diamond to strong enough to play shortstop so they had to move him to second and then what happens he doesn't even know what he's doing over there and he breaks his leg how boy Terry Ryan get the guy a map or something like he's just lost out there I I got one more here um for overrated players and it's kind of a it's it's a weird one but uh it's Jim Tomey like I feel like oh. there was a lot of hype when he came into come uh, on uh, when he came into beside himself oh. right now for the last he put a ball through a Chevy and, Silverado. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's I mean he he I'll say he had okay seasons for the Twins, but I think he just I think there was so much buzz around him like every time he hit a bomb a bomb it was like he hit yeah. four. That's fair. Like he had two seasons where he had like well they went like as far four. as four together, but so you know that's why. And then he hit. He had like one year where he hit like 283, the next year he hit 243. But I think like the legacy of Jim Tomey, like when he came to Minnesota, people just had this idea of what he was going to be. And he was a little towards the washed up end of his career when he was leaving. I feel like people thought he was just it hot was stuff. Romantic. And I just, it was romantic. I never, we, 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 he was definitely over romanticized. But yeah, they romanticized yeah. all the bombs he hit against us when he came to Cleveland and thought he was going to transfer here. And I mean, he had a, his first season was solid, but the next year kind of showed a little bit more. I mean, you hit a ball down Seventh Street, you're going to get me on your side. Like uh, Jim Tomey's walk off bomb awesome. against the White Sox. That's like one of my favorite Twins memories of all time. So for you to come at Jim Tomey like this, yes. Let's not forget he got an MVP vote that first year with the Twins. That's egregious. Like to vote. That's just respecting the game. That's brutal. That is brutal. That just shows actually the faultyhood of the MVP voting in the major league. I've got one more, uh, one more honorable mention. Quick here, um, kind of similar to Jim Tony is uh, Josh Willingham. He did hit um, the 35 homers in his first season with the Twins, but the guy was just horrendous in the outfield. He had a negative defensive WAR. I think every year but two of his career and the two that weren't negative were 0.0 and 0.7 so he couldn't even get to one on the defensive war rating one time in his whole career so i mean yeah he hit the home runs that one season but just i think how did they not just have him as a dh he was just a, a horrible outfielder well, he was he was a clubhouse issue because they said we want to play you at DH, yeah. and he said if you put me in at DH, Ooh. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I'm I'm an outfielder because he didn't want to be pegged as a DH early in his career. He wanted to still ha- make the outfielder money. Yeah, I I don't like Willingham because of that as well. Like he was by far the worst outfielder in baseball. But if they wanted to play him, they spent all this money on him. They yeah, had to put him out yeah, there. Can't have a locker room camps like that. The I did have one other one. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten named yet. Um, this is a pretty big one, guys. It's Rondell White, and it's it's an e- it's an easy one for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was he ever hyped up? I don't even remember. I just have, he, like not funny. really. Like he came out of Detroit. He, he had a season. He's bad. Two seventy, three thirteen. Uh, he had an on base of three above three forty both those seasons. Which I mean, that's respectable, right? 
And then he came to the Twins, 246, 174 on base percentage under 275. We gave him like five or six sheets a year. Like, I don't know. This guy. Uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Okay, get out of my years, face, yeah. this guy. And my favorite story is my youngest brother, he went to the game at the Dome one time. And for some reason, he loves Rondell White. Loved him. So he bought a blank Twins jersey, took it over to like some sporting goods store, had the screen number 24 Rondell White on no the back way. of the jersey. <laughs> and he, Gus comes running into the game one day, and the peanut guy in the right field bleachers says, I ain't never seen a Rondell White jersey. <laughs> it was an all-time favorite of mine. So funny. <laughs> that is an all-time move. I've wow. got a couple old older twins to uh, throw out. First one, Al Newman. I feel like everyone knows Al Newman. Be- Watch your mouth <laughs> because, here. Because of his days in the Guardi era oh. when he was just around, like, third base coach. So he And he was on both World Series teams, so he's just one of those guys that's sort of, like, in twins lore of, like, Al Newman, twins. Yeah, okay. He played five seasons, and he hit 223, slug 275. Just a trash hitter. But one of those guys, he just benefited from from being on Guardi's staff and winning rings. So I just wanted to call it out that he doesn't deserve to be someone that is so easily recognizable. And then second, this might be a little hotter take. Yeah. Jack Morris. Are you kidding me? A little overrated. Wow. I'm interested. Wow. I think, okay. Wow. I will say this shows postseason performance is more important than anything else. But if you look at his time with the Twins, he actually pitched one season with the Twins. Some people may forget that. He went 18 and 12 with a 343 ERA, an okay season. Not great, not bad. And then he pitched 13 innings in the ALCS, had an ERA of over four. So not very good in the, the there was only one round before the World Series back then, but just average. And then in the World Series, completely dominant. But other than those three starts in the World Series, average player. I mean, you bring, you win a ring, you get, you get to be the man. That's fine. That's how it works. We can't be choosers in Minnesota. We don't get World Series championships or any championships ever. Mm. But I think he might be creeping up there as a little yeah. overrated. People forget only one season, only three good starts. Yikes. Yikes. That's, Yikes. I... Without him, the Twins don't have that championship, Dalton. They just don't have it. And it's he did win point, two of those ALCS games, by the way. Wins are not a relevant stat yeah, he was 4-0 for the 21st for the century. That year. Um, but he, 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 quarterback he, wins don't matter. You are full okay. of it. Wow. But here's the thing. like He had 18 – no, wins aren't a relevant stat. He had 18 wins that year for the Twins, and he had 10 of them complete games. That is a relevant stat when you're going Any 10 year. complete games and winning 18. of. I mean – I see what you're saying. Like, there's some stats. The New Age stats back it up a little bit, but I think the New Age stats exclude things that might have been a little more valued back then, like complete games. Like, that's why wins still mattered then. So what do we think? We want to give our podiums our top three most overrated twins of all time? Yeah, let's start bottom bottom up. All right. Lou, start us off. Yeah. Um, this one might be a little strange, but I'm going to go with uh, Carl Pavano. The old ace, mustached Ooh. ace for the Twins. Uh, he went 33-33, and 33, so really not ace numbers for the Twins. Um, we paid him almost $24 million over, th- over three seasons to be a quote-unquote ace, which he really wasn't. 
And then the thing that always gets me is he was hurt for part of the season uh, for one of the seasons because I think he pulled an oblique or something shoveling his driveway. So, I mean, how can you pay a guy that much when he's not in shape to even shovel his damn driveway? Come on, twins. Got to lift with the legs. People forget shoveling's a leg sport, not an arm sport. Boys. And take your time. You don't have to do it all in one fell swoop. Yeah. So many people die of heart attacks in their driveway that are not in our age demographic usually. but It's still. possible. One thing I will say is mustache was all time. Do you guys Big remember time. that? They used to like give those away at the Carl Pavano oh, yeah. game. Every You could slap on the mustache and cheer on Carl Pavano going five innings, giving up three runs. and Also a flex to come in after Tory Hunter and just sport 48. Not not even blinking <laughs> an eye. It's probably in his contract, so actually, you know. All right, uh, my next one, I'm going to go with Jason Castro. If you guys remember him from a few seasons back, uh, he was the uh, the stud defensive catcher for the Houston Astros. Um, you know, he was never really supposed to be this that great of a hitter. Uh, he hit 229 in three seasons with the Twins, but he only did hit about just over 230 with six seasons in Houston. So, not really overrated, underrated in that aspect, but he was supposed to be this great all-star defensive catcher, and he just really wasn't that good. His overall war in Houston was 9.0, and it was only 3.1 in Minnesota. His caught stealing percentage uh, is 26.1%, which is 27th among active catchers. And then they always raved about his framing ability, his pitch stealing ability. He was 31st in the league in 2017, one year after coming from the Houston Astros. Only 30 teams, so that's not great. The other catcher, Chris <laughs> Jimenez, on our roster was 33rd, and that guy was terrible. He was absolutely awful. And he was fifth in 2016, fifth down to 31st in a matter of one season. I don't know if that's just bi- umpire bias against the Twins or what, but this guy was Conspiracy. just awful. And Must have been playing with a bone spur in his wrist. Yeah, in 2018, he didn't even crack the top 50. Just terrible. So I'm going Jason Castro, number two. That guy was just a Swiss cheese behind the plate. <laughs> Good Lord. How many? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, last one, I'm going to go Nick Punto. Oh! He is a fan favorite. Couldn't, could not agree more. Fan favorite, gritty guy. Everyone knows, likes him. But he really never had good stats at all. I'm a fourth he, athlete. <laughs> he he was a non-starter. He got put into the starter role multiple times, and he could just never keep it. He played everywhere. Um, his WAR was sub one four times over the seven years, I believe. And so he was just—I mean, he was a—he was a guy who—he was a filler guy. His utility guy, everyone knows. He would have been perfect for like an like an Ere Adrianza role who plays twice a week, some shortstop, and you can throw him in if someone gets hurt to play like three or four games a week. But yeah, the fact that he was starting for extended periods is pretty scary, especially when those were teams that were winning winning division titles. Why do you think they were winning division yeah. titles? Nick Punto. <laughs> uh, the M&M in the middle of the order. <laughs> I, I just know that the he was almost an everyday star. The only reason that any corporate person went to a Tuesday noon game was to see Nick Punto play third base. And I was that way that was it was the best. They made so much money off that guy's recklessness. He was he's he's a hero of mine, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That is a brutal hero to have. It was basically like watching a drunk driver trying to hit at the plate. During the and he'd still make contact. It was there incredible. Was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, contact is a generous term for the balls he was putting in. You, verbal meme here, Richie from, uh, from Bench Warmers. I ticked it, but I caught it. But I ticked it. You're still out. You're still fat. That is basically how I assume that uh, exchanges went with, between Nick Punto and the catchers <laughs> while he was playing. I can go next here. Lou, great list. Thank um, you. Thank you. I think my number three might be a oh, touch no. controversial, but we'll see. Number three on my list is Gary Gaetti. Now, this is problematic, and it's similar to Dalton's because he's, you know, he's a championship, he's a winner, that whole number. But his numbers really are like he had a – couple good years but he's like a lifetime 250 hitter he only hit over 300 one time with the twins and he hit 301 in 88 he did have some like decent power in the prime of his career but his ops was like around 700 the whole time which was average for the mlb i feel like garrett like gaietti his name carries a lot of weight like he's another guy who he just like is enshrined in twins lore because he was on those teams and he he was a starter and he played a decent amount but I think that he's painted as this like all-time great twin, and I don't really see the numbers supporting that. I think he was a was a product of the system of being like on the team with Puckett and Herbeck and some of these big names, and as a result, he like kind of gets grouped into how great this group was. But really, he was just a small piece of the like a lot of these bigger players on the team. So he comes in at number three for me. Then my top two have already been mentioned. The second one is Eddie Gordado. Uh, Eddie, he Eddie, is brutal. Eddie. He, uh, he had, yeah, Dalton hit on it quite a bit. And I mentioned earlier, he had like brutal postseason. But I also read this article where this person identified like tricky saves. They kind of like made up the stat of tricky saves. And they, they mentioned a tricky save is when you still get the save, but at least two base runners reach base. And like, over his career, he was like his best years were 02 and 03. And over 25% of his saves that year were considered tricky saves when he basically like worked himself in and then out of a jam. So like I think of when you think of a closer, you think of like more of Joe Nathan type where like you're like, oh, he's going to come in. Three guys are out. Probably two of them struck out and then we're going to hit the showers. Gordado was the opposite of that. He was like, we're probably going to get this win. But there's like no telling how we get it. Like we might need a triple play with the bases loaded <laughs> and save this one run lead. And so I just, I just always felt like people loved Gordado, like everyday Eddie. And I was just always not a fan of his. And that certainly comes out in my top three most overrated players of all time. And number one is the correct answer. Lucas had it as well. Oh. It's Nick Punto. I hated the piranhas. I hated Nick Punto. He's my least favorite player in Twins history. He's the least clutch hitter in Twins history. Um, he was another thing that we talked about with that area of Twins where it's Guardy, this defense. He's so good defense, blah, blah, blah. You know he's on the all-decade team for the 2000s oh, no, for the what? Twins. What? That is egregious. Oh, my. Get a statue. Egregious. He had one good year where he hit 290. That's not even that impressive. He didn't even crack 300. And, and he was a contact guy. Like, you, that's, I mean, just super overrated. Never was worth whatever they paid him. 
He's one of those guys where my cousin also hated him, and uh, he always used to say, I wouldn't piss in his mouth if his teeth were on fire. That's how much he hated him. <laughs> well, shout out to your cousin, and the psychopath. Shout out to Dustin on that Dusty. one. Um, and you know what? I couldn't agree more when it comes to him being overrated. So <gasps> That's beautiful. Hen, you go next. All right, let's hear your quote. Okay. I, uh, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a goofy one, um, but I'll start it off with I, – I, this is – I don't know why. This is like one of my – main free agent signings I remember occurring. It's pretty recent. <clears throat> Couldn't stand it. Could not stand it. Everybody told me it was going to be the best thing that happened to this team. We were in a slump. We were hurting. It's Ricky Nolasco. This guy was the worst. He went into the like the offseason thinking he was going to get five years, 80 sheets. No, but no big deal. Like The Yankees wanted him, apparently. What a joke this guy was. I couldn't believe it. He... In his in his last season with LA before he came to came to us, first like I think like few starts he was eight and one with like a two ERA just killing it. He slowed down over the year, but still had a good season with them. And so he went in thinking he was going to be you know just the best thing that happened to any team that he joined. And in his two and a half three seasons with us, he had an ERA above five, so not great. Wouldn't love that. And he never even reached above 160 innings pitched, including one season with just 37 because he got a little hurt, which it wasn't Tommy John. So, you know, I don't really want to hear about it. So you want him out on the mound. It's not Tommy John to get out there every fifth day. <laughs> just go pitch the ball. It's not that hard. We're losing anyways. Just eat the innings, buddy. <laughs> this guy was terrible. And not to mention, he was he got, I think, like 12 or 13 a year. This guy was – talk about pulling your oblique, shoveling snow. This guy was pulling his oblique, walking on the stairway. He was so bad, so bad. Couldn't stand Ricky in Alaska. Uh, so that's a lot of hate for one guy. I get it. I think – the, the next two, yeah. This one is more funny, <clears throat> and it's not only number two because – there was an article written about him. I, I, the article was hilarious, by the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the guy who wrote it his fair share here. But it was um, – it's Pat Mahomes Sr. Yeah, you heard it. Pat Mahomes yeah, Sr. This guy – I'll tell you what. <laughs> the fact that his kid turned out to be how good he is is a little bit of a shock to me. Because I think we've all seen Jackson Mahomes who did the dancing, and that's we know that he's not quite the athlete, and that's all Patrick Jr., but Pat Mahomes Sr., his nickname was Pitch Out Pat. So not great. Maybe don't sign him. <laughs> <laughs> and this beat writer one time, beat writer Alex Wade, he wrote this as this kind of a, a historical piece going through all the Twins players. He wrote at the end of the articles, I think he's the reason Tom Kelly got shingles. That is unbelievable. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And the first comment at the top of this article about like what he thought this commenter internet commenter his name is nurse dude that's the internet commenter he th- he this is what he had to say his era with the twins was like a prolonged state of mourning similar to that only of an italian widow i mean this guy was horrible this just the worst kind of person <laughs> so congrats to his son it sounds like he's doing well but pat mahomes the fact that you made the mlb is shameful so, and then, All right, yeah, number one. one, this is it. Joe Maurer, you pay for balls over walls, not singles in Ooh. the left field. Oh. Okay. He got 25 wow. sheets a year. This guy, I, I don't know. The last five seasons, he was supposed to be playing first base in DH. 
and he never had a season over 70 RBIs. You sit in the sweet spot all year, three through five, and you couldn't you couldn't touch 70 RBIs. I mean, come on. Come on. It's a product of who's in front of you for RBIs. And if you look at his, his WRC plus, which takes that into account, he's that's well not our, that's not, there's no chance it's a real stat. I refuse to believe it. You pay for if you look at his element OP <laughs> when um when the sun is rising in the you morning. You pay for balls over walls. That's what I you pay you don't pay anybody over twenty million unless it's balls over walls. That's my number one. Oh, hey, according to Fangraphs, his career value was $299 million and his career earnings were $195 million. Oh, well, so, I mean, just... We raked him over the coals, baby. analytically, the Twins got a good deal Because oh, he's got a Chevrolet dealership over in Sunship Valley or whatever it is. And this guy doesn't <laughs> do anything for the Twins. All he did was sell a couple ads. I, I seem to remember he had an MVP season, but I don't know. I don't have the best memory. MVP. MVP. I was just some more nose MVP, and you all know it. He got his. <sighs> he should have had two. <laughs> all right, Dalt, what do you got? I also have one honorable mention, too. So, uh, number three, I've got Nishioka. We talked about him. It was almost more of an overhyped than an overrated, but, I mean, you sign that big deal, and you don't even get a full season in. That's pretty brutal. Um, number two, recent guy, Eddie Rosario. Uh, I think recently, and I mean, basically since the Twins let him go, people have been like, oh, yeah, he was overrated. I think that's more of just everyone trying to rationalize. But for the last three, four years, everybody loved Eddie. They thought the Ed heads are going to be pissed. Not surprised. <laughs> I believe that. When you, when you look at his numbers, like, yeah, old school numbers, RBIs, home runs, looks good. Walk rate, absolutely brutal. WRC plus, which takes into account like who's on base when you're getting hits and like the players around you. He was essentially an average player, average run creator. He just had a lot of guys on base all the time, so he'd put up good numbers. And he was a horrible fielder. So he was a free swinger, fun guy to watch, but overrated. Glad the Twins let him go. And then number one. Better arm than Kepler. People forget that. So my, my top two guys are both Eddie's. Number one, I've got Eddie Gordada. We've touched on him enough. Way, way, way too overrated. Way too much in Twins lore, in mindsets of Twins fans. Does not deserve it whatsoever. Agreed. Eddie Gordado is... Eddie, bro. Eddie, 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 Eddie. That can't be overrated. It's like Kubel being if, overrated. If neither of their names were Eddie, they're not good players. If you think about all the, the players that the Twins fans cheer their names up for over the years, though, Boo Fonzer, Jason Kubel, Lou Ford, like these are none of none of these guys are legends. They just have Isaiah's not that's all star after all star, baby. <laughs> and they bet they're all clubhouse guys. They're the best locker room guys on the team. For sure. Eddie Gordado wasn't even the best reliever on that team. Latroy Hawkins is that answer. All I know is I got a Lou Ford sign bat waiting at home. Just just holding on to that one. I think the value is going to spike pretty soon. I heard Michael Jordan got about 100K for a pair of sneakers. So I'm looking for somewhere in the 50 to 60 ballpark. Yeah, it's just like Dogecoin. It's only going up. Seems reasonable. <laughs> Zary, you got a podium? You want to hit us with a podium to finish it yeah, up? Yeah, absolutely. First one, Al Jefferson. Big Al Jefferson. The dude was the only good player on the Timberwolves during the darkest. We were doing a twins only overrated. Twins. 
Yeah, I was there. We're a lot of twins. We're a lot of twins. Twins. We're a lot of twins. Check the game notes, bud. How did I not see that? Uh, Big Al Jefferson. Um, okay, we'll do this. We'll do this. Just roll with hold it. Here's my podium. Let's do crossover. No, we'll do fine, crossovers. Here's, here's, here's my podium. Okay. Yeah. So my podium, normally you got three, you need three names, done, but this guy, he's so overrated, so criminally overrated, overvalued that he comes in at spot number one spot number two, and spot number three. And that man, you guessed it, ladies and gentlemen, is Michael Kadire, <laughs> the single oh, yeah. most overrated yeah, soda athlete Jesus. of all time. The way that Best people in right the state talk had. about Michael Kadire, you would think he was the second coming of harming Killer Brew. You would think he was hitting more home runs than Barry Bonds when he was juiced out of his mind. The guy was so completely average, but people just loved him. And I'll never understand it. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'll never say he's a bad player. He's a good player, putting some good numbers, decent numbers, but nothing compared to the way that he's talked about. Like, and if you ever try to bring this up, people just get so upset that you don't like Michael Kadire. And it's like, I don't dislike him. I just think he is a very, very, like, you know, average corner outfielder. And those were the numbers that he put up. And he didn't play great defense, Dalton, since defense is so important to you. Talk about Eddie's D. Let's talk Cuddy D. Adding. Bunch of you mean former batting oh, oh, the one that he Kodaya. won when he was playing in, like, um, space, essentially, with colorado yeah that ball was flying <laughs> how many did he win here how many of those did he win here how many times did he hit over 300 here unbelievable great right fielder no i'll <laughs> say it one more time he took bronze silver and gold for overrated twins athlete <laughs> i want to know who you're hanging out with that thinks he's a second coming marvin killabrew <laughs> yeah that's just one did man's Abe, opinion did Abe get, like his but... hat signed by this, him and then the just second said, that i said him, like, his name off. the eye rolls in this room were unbelievable it, and that you you are the people who think he's the second coming that's because before you've got on the pod i literally told lucas i'm like well at least ike's not here so now we don't have to hear this kadire gripe because like if you look at like his ops and stuff like that like he's an above average outfielder and i think that's how he was treated like i don't think anybody was like oh he should be an mvp or anything he did like, get he an MVP 272 vote, hey that's because he had like what 30 bombs is that or good something? 30 bombs 30 doubles Oh, okay. that seems pretty good. Flash in the pan. Anybody can <laughs> but, have one uh, good year. I'm not, I'm not. He sent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is actually a fair point, but, but I just think I, I don't view him as uh, the next coming Har- or the next coming of Harmon Killebrew. So I think he was a solid outfielder for he, his time he, in Minnesota he, and a batting champion. He's like, a, he's, like, he's like a Delta 360 sky left in this club. You name a sweet after him kind of guy. Well, that's actually funny because there is Cuddy's corner. Like yeah, he really actually does have that. Perfect. That's exactly what you do. For but him. that's what I I'm saying, him. though. Like if you think about like a franchise like the Twins, it's been around for a very long time. Not everybody gets something named in the stadium. And one of the people is Michael Kadire. Does that feel right? What? Well, I mean, there's got to be. Yeah, that's a good point. I just just a stat that we heard earlier. Nick Punto's on the all decade team. Would you rather Nick Punto or Michael Kadire? Punto. 
Guy could play every. It's a position. Guy could play every. every position. Oh, that's such a bad right. take. Well, that's all right. We're gonna delete yeah, out everything I just said. That's brutal. <laughs> Are you forgetting about the play where he dove across the middle and basically was on the ground and threw it to first? I think you are. Thank you. About I that finally play. have another punto guy. Oh my god, yes. Nikki P. Nikki P. That just in. That just made your argument. He might. I'm pretty sure. He, valid, which is he, just a crime. He would have been at least like he'd been like a fourth rounder in the NFL. Like an undrafted and your guy in the NBA. Okay. Anyways, I think we're yeah, moving I'm on. I'm with you, Hen. He's got Welker Edelman energy. Overlooked, over, undervalued. Oh, he's so much slower and, and less the athletic kill than those for guys. That's such a brutal take. Hey, enjoy yeah, wasting fourth rounders Henry. forever, Henry. Keep spending on I Nick I see him Poole, getting so. in the corners. He he for sure played like Southern Miss or Eastern Kentucky. He's just it's all over him. It's, it's like on his forehead. Grinder. Good Lord. <laughs> Just a brutal take. I do have one more, um, one more honorable mention for overrated twins, and uh, and this will be the last thing here. And it's Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Uh, they haven't done shit since Full House, so I would say they <laughs> almost made my list of overrated twins all time. Um, and if you think otherwise, I'd love for you to DM me or give me a phone call if you have my number because they are so fucking overrated. The Winklevoss has coasted off Zuckerberg for years now. <laughs> Years they bought a little bitcoin back like what 10 years ago, and they're all billion. Oh, get out of here! It's all fake money. Hey, we enjoyed your first and last appearance <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Punto, uh, yeah, just make sure those uh ping pong balls keep showing up HB on it. That'd be nice. Don't, <laughs> I want to see, don't, don't be changing it to anything else. So, I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully, I get uh some good reviews on my uh on my podium i feel like i feel like pat mahomes might not be the best of picks as one two but ricky alaska was a great third so that might save me <laughs> thanks for coming on Hen. Yeah. thanks Hen. thanks Hen. Go, Hen. way to go appreciate you having me on i'll talk to you all soon cool well that does it for this episode so thanks everybody for tuning in. Again, if you haven't rated, reviewed, or subscribed, please do. That helps us out a lot. Um, don't forget to check us out at tellemsports.com or follow us on Twitter at tellemsports. Peace. Peace. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice creepy way to end it. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.